Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. I, I, I'm really not blowing smoke here. They're really good-looking good people. They really are, you know. Who, who used to say, it's better to look good than to feel good, I tell you. I don't know. Here, here come the references already. Yeah, awesome. Second Kings this morning, chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse 20, talking about the greed of Gehazi and this idea of the green-eyed monster of envy and greed and talking about how that would make a monster out of us. I just want to preempt the message this morning by saying this. When we talk about greed, please do not write yourself off in thinking, I'm not a wealthy person, this cannot apply to me. I want to give a disclaimer right out of the gate. This has nothing to do with the amount of money you have. It has everything to do with what God has invested in you and whether or not you're giving that to someone else. If you're not investing what God has invested in you, you are greedy. Got a lot of friends. Amen. If you're not investing what God has invested in you, that's greed. So now that we have a nice definition, right? Let's jump right into our text. You say, Pastor, I don't even want to hear the rest of this. This is hard enough already. It gets better. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20, But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said to himself, My master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any gifts. You remember the story from last week. This is Nahum. He was healed of leprosy. He wanted to offer some clothes. He wanted to offer some gold and some silver. And if you remember, Elisha said, No, 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 no. We don't bargain with God. We don't buy things from God. The, the only thing that God wants from you is your unconditional surrender. So that's all. So your silver and your gold and your clothes aren't enough. If you're coming to God with anything, it's your life. And that's what Elijah's saying here. So you can't buy this. This isn't negotiable. You're not going to be able to get this from God. God's going to give this to you because of your willingness to obey. You remember he had a prideful spirit, wasn't willing to dip in the Jordan seven times. He's like, I could go back home and do that. And I know nobody says that today. Nobody says I could, I could do church at home. <laughs> nobody does that anymore. But that's what he said. He said, I can go back home. We've got better rivers there anyway. <laughs> and uh, how many of you know he went ahead and obeyed? And it wasn't the one dip, the two dip, three dip, four. It was a full seven dips. And when he got to the seventh dip, he comes up and man got healed of leprosy, Right? I want you to hold on to that idea of leprosy because there's a there is an exchange that occurs today um, but that exchange isn't really occurring between God and man it's really be, between God and the enemy and that exchange that negotiation that happens well it's not good and it's not good for Gehazi he says this he says as surely as the Lord lives I will chase after him and get something from him I could almost stop right there you know we really blessed him Elisha um, listen, mentor, we, we did a good job, didn't we? We did, we did, we did. We, you know, you ought to pay us something for that. As surely as the Lord lives, wow, I'll chase after him and get something. 
So Gehazi set after, or set off after Nahum. When Nahum saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot, went to meet him. Is everything all right? Nahum asked. Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets, prophets from the hill country of Ephraim has just arrived, and he'd like that 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. Now, this is a lie. This is not true, right? This is a church fibby, all right? A fibber. Verse 23, by all means, take twice as much silver, Nahum insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing and tied up the money in two bags and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and he hid the gifts inside his house. I think I can stop right there and tell you the rest of the story in just a minute. Uh, fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus is talking about the parable of the talents. And you might remember that there's, there's three dudes. We'll pick on the dudes, not the dudettes. There's three dudes that get gifts, and there's one in particular that gets a gift from the Lord. He just gets one. He goes out in his backyard, or he's at his house, and what, does what with it? He buries it, and he what? He's greedy. He's greedy. Now, the world mindset would say, come on, he only had one talent. Now, come on. That was the only talent he had. Now, that's not fair. Come on, we need to think about this rationally. That's all the guy had. The other guy got five. Come on, we need to be a little bit, we need to have a different mindset about this. The Bible says in that parable, Jesus returns and says, wait a minute, you know what? You should have went out with that talent, and you should have done something with it. What does he do in the end? He says, look here, Lord, I'm giving you back what you gave me. And God says, no, 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 you didn't do anything with it with others. That's a spiritual definition of greed. Okay? It's not rich men in New York, especially not fallen people or people that are lost that don't know how the economy of heaven works. It's you and I that hide our one gift from the Lord and do nothing with it to serve others. Now, the end of the story is, is not pleasant. There is an exchange. He comes back to Elijah. He does a fibby, a church fibby with Elijah at the end of the story. And Elijah knows better. And so in exchange for the money and the clothes that he took, he got Naaman's or Nahum's leprosy. And then it also says that all of his generations or the people that would come after him. Can I, can, I, can I remind you there is a collateral damage to being greedy? Your kids, your grandkids, are learning how to do life from you. And if you're not a giver with your life, how, how can you give? You can give your time. You can, you can give an ear. I want to tell you, you can bless people just by praying for them. You can bless people just by sitting down and listening to them. That may be your gift. God bless you for that. Your kids see you do that, and your kids emulate what they see you doing. And listen, if there's one generation that does something in moderation, and the next generation does it in excess, let it be that. Right? If there's one generation that takes a liberty, and the next generation takes that as a license, let it be giving. Amen? Awesome. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you're the teacher. You're, God, your spirit is the one that will teach us and remind us and, and give us all of the wisdom that your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to teach 
and to pass along to us. God, this morning, we wait upon you. We ask that, God, that you would, you would come into our lives and our hearts and illuminate us, God, so that we might, God, freely give from our lives to others and we wouldn't live our lives with a Gehazi spirit. We give you the praise and we give you the thanks for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on. Amen. Amen. Okay, a little fun this morning because I like fun. Maybe you don't, but I do. Fun is the middle word of funny, I guess, right? Okay, got a little something-something for you, okay? If you can answer these questions, three, okay? So you don't know anything about that. All right, so a little question here for you. How many of you were uh, a cartoon watcher growing up as a kid? I want to talk a little bit about Scooby-Doo, all right? Now, if you don't know about Scooby-Doo, I'm sorry. I know I'm old. You know, oh, man, look at your life. You know, everything is from the 70s and the 80s. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But listen, this is all I got, kids. It's all I got. Scooby-Doo. I want to know some things about Scooby-Doo this morning, okay? We know that Scooby-Doo was part of the pack that came out of the mystery machine. What kind of dog is he? Who said Great Dane? All of you, huh? <laughs> Honey, I have so much candy for you at home. <laughs> Share amongst yourselves over here. You like Tootsie Rolls? Miss Joanne, you like them too? Okay, cool, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Did you hear? Okay, good. Fred on Scooby-Doo wears the same clothes. In fact, they all do, which is like nasty do, right? It should be called Nasty Do. It should be called Stinky Do. <laughs> every episode. It's like, wash that stuff. Put something different on, please. But they wear the same clothes every episode. Fred wears something that most people don't wear today. What is that? An ascot? An ascot. Okay, buddy. You get the dove, though, brother. Because you, you got me Wednesday night, too. Right? What was that with uh, Daphne? Yeah. And Darla. Darling, no, Daphne's with the gang in Scooby-Doo. Scooby okay, cool. Awesome sauce. That's why you get the dove. Somebody else is going to get the Starburst Swirlers. Really? <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this. What happens in every single episode of Scooby-Doo? They do what? They eat the Scooby snacks, but what else, Mr. Pete? They run for fear, exactly. And then what happens to the, the villain in every... Oh, he gets unmasked. He gets unmasked. Everybody give it up for Pete. You get the swirlers, Pete. He gets unmasked. <laughs> Those meddling kids. Zoinks. Right? And it's always a real estate developer. Have you noticed that? It's a, <laughs> no? It's a, it's, it's a real estate developer. And usually, and nobody actually asked them to get involved in that in the first place. I grew up in the Chicago area, and there were, peop, there were mysteries to be solved all the time. I didn't ever, I never seen the mystery machine, like, pull up, you know, and a, a big dog get out, you know, and get snacks and everything and then solve the mystery. It's, they're all safe mysteries, aren't there? And, and, and it's usually a real estate developer that's trying to scare all the kids off. And we think that's a greedy person. That is not a greedy person. That's not how it really works. You know that's just a cartoon, right? 
I didn't for three years. For three years, I watched the same episode over and over again. Yes, I know there were different characters. They invited different people on the show. But it was the same story, right? Again and again and again. It's the same story with greed, too. And there are masks in greed, but that's not the masks that people usually wear that are greedy. The masks that people wear when they're greedy are spiritual masks. They're not looking to scare people away. They're looking to bring people to themselves. Oh, come on. They're not trying to scare off all the kids and scare everybody off the playground so they can put up a high rise. They are wanting to build unto themselves. This is the Gehazi spirit. This is Gehazi. Gehazi is saying, wait a minute here. We got a pretty good corporation here, Elijah. We don't just heal people. We should be making some lucre here. He got the liberty, we get the lucre. And how many people, again and again and again, hear this kind of message, even in churches? What do we hear in churches today? You need to give. And you need to give. And you need to give. And you need to give. When God really wants your life. Not, your, not just your checkbook or your money or your pocket. God wants your life. And if nobody in church is taught how to truly give what God has invested in them, guess what's going to happen? They're going to die spiritually. Gehazi wanted a return, and he wasn't going to let this guy get away without it. Let me, let me kind of break this down here for you a little bit here, because sometimes I think we need a working definition of envy and greed. The dictionary defines envy as a feeling of discontent that causes you to covet what others have. And then in greed, it causes you not to give what you have. Do you see what those are? I'm looking at my neighbor, I'm looking at this person and that person, and I'm saying, why do they got what they got? I need to have what they have, which distracts us from giving what we have. Because we feel like we're in a place where we have nothing to give. And if there's one thing I've ever taught you, it's this. Listen intently, please. God bless you for doing so. Here it is. There'll never be a moment in your life where you have nothing to give. It's a lie from the pit of hell that says you have nothing to give. That is an impoverished spirit, a truly impoverished spirit. I'm not talking about the kind that's struggling to pay the bills. I'm talking about the kind that causes you to shut your life down and not care for others. Hello. And this is Gehazi. What is the origin of greed? What is the origin? Where does it come from? It comes from a satanic place. What is so bad about envy and greed? They share demonic origins. This came from the rebellion in heaven. What did Satan see? That God had a position and a place that he wanted. He coveted it. He wanted it for himself. Instead of staying in his lane, come on, Come on now. A lot of safety would occur in Finley if people would just stay in their honking lane. Just stay in the lane. He didn't want to stay in his lane. He wanted God's lane. And in the pursuit of God's lane, there was a rebellion. And it cost heaven one-third of the angels. But that's not all. Wait, there's more. We get to the garden that was made by God in Eden, and now he's looking for Adam and Eve to give up their spot with God. 
and they lost that relationship with God. And what did he present to them? An opportunity for more. Instead of giving God what God deserved, worship and their trust, they took that for themselves. Then ate of the fruit and fell. You see, at the heart of greed, at the heart of envy, is a demonic spirit. It's a demonic origin. How do envy and greed harm us? Lots of ways. But let me just tell you, it can start in your body. It can actually harm you physically. Proverbs 14.30 says, Envy and a jealous spirit. Watch this. A calm and peaceful and tranquil heart, tranquil, 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 if I can say it today, heart is life and health to the body. But greed and envy are like rottenness to the bone. Your bones will rot. It will destroy you from the inside out. It's not an outside-in thing. Remember COVID? Remember when we were all outside with our groceries, wiping them down? You weren't there. You don't remember that. We were wiping our groceries down, wearing masks. We were going crazy because we didn't know what this would do. Whatever we wanted in that moment was to keep what is on the outside on the outside. Don't let it in. You'll get sick. But greed doesn't come from the outside. Neither does envy. It starts in the bones. In the bones. And it eats you from the inside out. What a pleasant thought. It's a pleasant thought. Where does this begin in Gehazi's life? Because, you know, sometimes we don't check the backstory to see where it begins so that we might learn from it so that it doesn't begin in us. Well, let me tell you, just a chapter or so before in 2 Kings chapter 4, there is a really interesting story. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. And I'm going to talk to you about that story and show you how greed and envy will get a root or a foothold in your life. You see, there's a Shunanite woman who develops a relationship with Elisha. Her and her husband happen to be wealthy. Come on, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, Jesus had wealthy friends too. Hello. Hello, he did. Remember Lazarus? The Bible says that Lazarus was his friend, right? <clears throat> Can I just tell you that God has, God has priests, prophets, and kings. Kings go out there in the world, make things happen. They support the prophets and they support the priests. Come on. And everybody blesses everybody. Everybody has a role. So they have a relationship with Elisha and it's a good one. And what happens next is very interesting. It's so good that they decide that they're going to add an addition onto their house so that when Elisha and Gehazi is in the area, they can sleep at the house. Listen, I love everybody in this room, but that's not necessary. I don't have to do a sleepover. Trust me. We can, have, we can have a great relationship together, have a lot of fun. I don't have to come over and do a sleepover at your house, okay? All right? You probably don't want that either. <laughs> okay, nobody's real here today. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, come on over, Pastor. We love you that much. <laughs> you don't know me. I'm human just like you. So they build an addition onto their house. And Elisha is in this moment and says, you know what? I want to bless you, right? And before you go thinking that this is a negotiation, it's not. She never asked him for anything. She just said, come on, 
She just said, I love you and I want to build an addition to my house so you can stay here. Do you see the difference? I'm not giving to God with a prerequisite. God, I'm giving you my tithe this morning. Wait a minute. It's not my tithe. God, it's your tithe. Wait a minute. It never did belong to me and I'm not giving it to you. I'm paying my tithe because the tithe belongs to the like right here said Lord and everybody else is like you're not tithing can't do my eyebrows right okay she never asked anything from him he comes back and says I want to bless you for what you've done to help bless our ministry and Elisha says to her you're gonna have a son She's, she wants a son. She had not have a son. She's, she's older. She knows what that means. This is the 401k, the 403b. This is the retirement plan of that day. You had to have a boy. Okay? It's an agrarian culture. You don't have a boy. You don't eat later in life. And so he says to her, by this time, at this date, you're going to have a son. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to have a son. And she says, don't you dare say that to me. Don't even tell me that. You know, she's struggling with hope. We all do. We all struggle with hope. When we first hear the gospel, the first time you heard the gospel, it was like, that can't be true. You mean God gave everything for me before I ever was even born, before I ever even had a thought or, a, or an inclination to even want to serve him? He died for me anyway. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. That don't make sense. Because we struggle with hope. God doesn't struggle with hope. God freely gives it all the time. So she had to work through that. How many of you know you got to work through it too? Some of you are working through some things with hope this morning. Come on, man. Don't give up hope. Man, if you can listen to that journey song, Don't Stop Believing, you can believe and trust God when he's promised it in his word to you. Come on. Some of you are like, you go to a restaurant and Don't Stop Believing comes on and you're like, oh yeah, that's my jam. But then when the hope of God comes from the scripture to you, you're like, well, I don't know. I don't, don't mess with me, Lord. Don't mess with me. <laughs> I need counseling. I do. I do. It just occurred to me. I need a, maybe someone can help me out with this. I don't know. I don't, maybe. What, honey, you're on. Okay. <laughs> so she struggles with it. And, and, and like she says, no, it's going to happen. The boy grows up. The boy's helping dad out in the field. Elisha and Gehazi, they're out doing their thing. They're out doing ministry. And then, I don't know whether he gets sunstroke or what, but the little boy gets, the boy gets sick. The young man gets sick. And it's out helping his dad. And he says, oh, my head, my head, it hurts. Right? My head is hot. And then he drops. <laughs> they send a messenger to... <laughs> Elijah and Gehazi right and she even goes with the messenger they head that way they go to find the people of God what do you think happens in this world when hope drops people are going to turn to you because they know you know God that's why, you know this is the case, okay? But just off the notes here and into life, that's why they put anchors. They used to put them on headstones of saints and Christians because they said right there, and, and, and it would be, the anchor would be shaped like an anchor with a cross. Right there is someone I could have anchored my life to because they're anchored to Christ. 
listen, this isn't a prophetic word. I think it's just a practical one. We're going to see a downturn in the economy soon. Because I've lived long enough, that happens. There's ups and there's down. I know you all think it ought to go even ebb and flow like this, but we're going to see a little bit of a setback soon. I've been through, I've been alive long enough to see it. And you're going to see revival in some people's lives. <laughs> They're going to go, dear Lord, what do I do now? Because all the hope I had just dropped. Okay, I'm laid off. I'm laid off for three, four, now it's a little early, by the way. Some of you right now are thinking, oh, economically, we're doing great, uh, Pastor Glenn. Let me sit down with you and do some accounting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This too shall pass. And when it does, people will go, whoa! Wait, where's a Christian? Where's somebody? Where's some, oh, I know who, I know where they are. I know, I worked with one. I know, and they're going to come to you. And you're going to have to have something to offer. You're going to have to have something to offer. You're going you're, you're gonna to have to give. You're going to have to care in that moment. Caregiver. And so what happens is, is they go chase down Gehazi and Elisha. And when they get there, this woman falls at Elisha's leg and wraps herself around his leg. Okay? Now that's pretty cool when you're dealing with a little kid. Right? And you do one of those things that I did with Tyler's little boy the other day. But when you're a little bit older, it might seem a little demeaning. Gehazi shows where greed has now taken root in his heart. Gehazi, let's see who I can, I love you, Craig, but, okay. Let's imagine that this large seven-foot man is this woman that's wrapped around my, no, is wrapped around my leg right now. And let's, let's imagine that Randy is Gehazi, and Randy comes over and throws her off of Elisha. And Elisha says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Can't you see? Don't you care? That's where greed starts. That's where it starts. It doesn't start where, oh, I got a little bit of money now and I need more and I want more. Or I got a little bit of this or I got a little bit of that and oh, I'm looking better and doing better than you. It don't start there. It starts way back when somebody is near you in your life that has lost hope and you had an opportunity to give and care in that moment and you didn't. And throws the Shunanite woman off of him. And Elisha says, no, 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 no. In fact, you need to learn something, kid. You need to learn something right now. We're going back to her house. It's, it's a really cool story. I don't know if God would have to peel back heaven for me to heal or, or pray for somebody's healing this way today. But anyway, he sends her back to the house with his staff. You remember the story from Sunday school? Gehazi runs on ahead of the woman and Elisha. They're headed back to the house. This young man, Gehazi, can go faster. He's younger. He goes. He goes fast. He gets to the house. The little boy is actually in the room that was made and built for the prophet and his servant, the church. You're in it. You are it. Okay? And there's a body dead in the church. Hello? That's actually a good thing. That someone might be here spiritually dead? Are you with me this morning? 
That is a good thing. That's a God thing. And God's about to do his thing. But he's got to get the greedy guy out of the way. So Gehazi shows up with the rod, with the rod of Elisha. This is his authority. You have the rod of the Lord today. It's called the word of God. Another word for it is called canon. Canon means rule or rod, standard. You have the same thing. He went and he put it upon the boy's head, prayed for the boy, nothing happened. Now, I want, I, I want to tell you, something should have happened. God wanted something to happen. It was just the, it was the right things at the right time, but the person that showed up had the wrong heart. He could have been a blessing in that moment, but way, way back with the mama, he wasn't caring one bit about her or her situation at all. That's where the greed and the envy started, way, way back there. You want to talk about a mask? You want to talk about a masquerade? Happens every day in every church and everywhere of the world where people put on a mask like they're givers, but they really don't care about anyone but themselves. It's a Gehazi spirit. Elisha shows up. This is so much funny. Sorry, honey, if I got you there. That's why you sit there. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Been baptized in Jesus' name. So Gehazi's there. Elisha shows up. And uh, Elisha, <clears throat> this is weird, but it's in the Bible, okay? He, he lays on the dead boy. There's something to glean from this, though. And he prays for the dead boy. And then the dead boy sneezes seven times. Now that sounds like God to me. Can I tell you why it sounds like God to me? Because you think you have a sense of humor. God does things just to make us all laugh and go, that is so weird. And the reason why he does it differently every single time is because he doesn't want you to develop a religion out of anything he'd done the last time. <laughs> because... <laughs> There's no other time in the Bible where anybody lays on anybody else and they sneeze and they're healed. They come back to life, right? We're not going to exactly go out and make this the first church of lay on people and sneeze. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Right? But we'll make a methodology over a lot of other, we'll make a religion out of a lot of other things. Okay? So this is, and the boy comes to life. He, he comes alive. He's healed. This is the story that predicates the story of Nahum and his money. And that's why I tell you the story before the story so that you can understand that if you're not willing to give what you have to help hurting people and you don't even care about hurting people, then you're not going to see that really what ignites miracles isn't money. What ignites miracles is a caring heart. It's a caring heart. It's a heart. It's a heart that's broken like an alabaster box that pours out itself before the Lord to glorify the Lord and to honor God. It's willing to stop whatever it is it's doing in the moment of the emergency, even though it's tyrannical, and say, 
God, I care because you care. And God, if I don't care enough, give me your heart because my heart's not enough. And that's what ignites miracles. The faith that comes from a caring heart is what ignites miracles. Not money. Not buildings. Not new church programs. You can have you can have the most beautiful building in town, the greatest program in town. You can have some of the guest, best guest speakers and, and best of this and best of that, but if nobody cares, apathy rules. Not God. God doesn't rule. And this is the predication to the story that we just read this morning. It's the story that would not bring the glory because it was focused on a heart that cared inwardly can i just say that there's there's an uncanny there's an uncanny resemblance to gehazi and judas there's an uncanny there's actually a pattern and i think i'm going to close with this this morning then we'll pray there's a pattern if you read the life of elisha and you read the life of jesus there's a really cool pattern here okay just like Elisha stretched out his life on that little boy. Jesus stretched out his life and died for you. And he did it face to face, just like Elisha did. He knew that the sin that would keep us from the Father would cause the Father to turn his back from us. And yet Jesus decided to be the one that the Father turned his back to so that the Father could look at you Look at this. Elisha stretched out his life. And the Bible says that he came face... Actually, the Bible says that he actually... And I don't know, was this CPR? He actually breathed into the little boy. You know, just like when the first man was created and God breathed the breath of life. That word there, ruah, the spirit, into him. It's very, very intimate. I know, and it's a little creepy and weird. But... But it's exactly how Jesus cared for you. Elisha raised three people from the dead. So did Jesus. Elisha fed hundreds with a loaf of bread. So did Jesus. Elisha receives the Spirit, a double portion, at Jordan. So does Jesus. Both heal leprosy, which would be a sign of the Messiah, Old Testament. Both represent the resurrection. Elisha's bones later. Remember we talked about bones? Remember we talked about envy and greed? Elisha's bones later. His bones, people. Imagine this. He's in paradise. His soul is with Moses and, or Abraham in paradise, right? Get this. But his bones are still here on earth. And there's so much of God's care and love and anointing in those bones that they threw a dead man on him and the dead man jumped back up. But then we read in Scripture, that's the same place. If there's life, that's also the same place that greed and envy can rot us out. You know, that's the sickness of leprosy. It rots you. What is rotting? That's when you go to Walmart and you say, I want two bunches of bananas because it feels like a banana week. I know you don't do this, but I do this. I'm in the mood for bananas. And I'm going to buy two or three bunches because I'm going to eat a banana or two every day. And after day two, I don't want anything to do with bananas. 
I'm making this up as I go along, but stay with me. Then I go back in there, and I see what is good rotting. And now I've got some college kids. They go to the school over here. They live right across the street from me. They are a bunch of knuckleheads, but I love them. They're always locking their keys in their car. They're always got a dead battery or something. And I'm always out there helping them, you know, because I love them. They're great guys. And they're real respectful, too. They play on the football team. And they're bigger than me. So I go help them, you know. <laughs> Why don't I give him my bananas? It's rotting over here. That's why I was supposed to get the other bunch of bananas. That's why you got the second box of honey bunches of oats. It wasn't for you. Silly rabbit. It's for others. Right? And that's what Gehazi didn't get. And he ended up with what Nahum had in exchange for well, no. He ended up with both of what Nahum had, his money and his sickness. Both of them. Conclusion. The spirit of Gehazi is this. It is that voice inside that says, you can't. The truth is, you won't. And what will help is you repent. The greatest greed is holding on to what you could give someone else. People give me stuff all the time. If you give me something in this church, by the way, if you give me something in this church and you see somebody else with it later, don't get mad. Well, I gave that to him. I know. And I enjoyed it for a little while, and I gave it to somebody else. And they'll probably give it to some. Wouldn't it be great if that just bounced around all over the place? You know? He said, well, that makes me mad. I gave it to you. What do you want me to do, man? Build a whole entire idol out of it? Let me build, put it out in the courtyard, you know, with the bell that was on the church that was here years ago? Right next to it is that shirt you gave me? Come on! Well, I gave you that gift card. Now you're taking them out. You didn't take me out with the gift card I gave you. <laughs> you could give forgiveness. You could give you could give God your secret sin. Start there. Just become a giver. Because the nature of the Father is that. For God so loved that He gave. gave. Would you stand with me in prayer? As the worship team comes, we just want to take a few minutes this morning. Maybe, just maybe, you're here today, and what you need to give is your heart to God. Maybe you've never taken the opportunity to make Jesus both your Savior and and the Lord of your life. Wouldn't it be awesome if today you had the spirit of Elijah, not of Gehazi? Wouldn't it be great if you weren't greedy with that part of your life anymore and you surrendered your heart to God? Wouldn't that be awesome? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it tells us this. If we confess with our mouth, and it says, Lord, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from ourselves. Not just hell. Saved from me. That my life will actually start living for something and someone, and it's God, and it belongs to him. You've never had an opportunity to, to do that. Let me tell you, there's no party like a Jesus party. It just don't stop. It's wonderful. It's great. You'll be persecuted. It'll be tough. But God will give you peace. He'll give you joy. He'll comfort you. He'll provide for you. He'll protect you. Because you're His. Just as much as you would to anything that belonged to you, especially your children. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father God, in the name of Jesus this morning. It needs to be our prayer, Lord. It needs to be my prayer that I give you my heart, that I confess that you are Lord of my life. 